And it's really important for companies to help employees have those experiences and give them the time to do those, to do the things that they feel that they, they want to learn more about, they want to give back on. It really makes employees, I think, more effective in their roles. Welcome to You Belong in the C-Suite podcast. You are ambitious in life and in your career, but something is missing. You want to bring more of your passion to what you do, because let's be honest, you pour a ton into your work and it needs to mean more. I'm your host, Laura Eigel. I'm a mom, wife, PhD, coach, advocate, introvert, and indoor rowing fanatic. I'm passionate about living a life that's in line with my values. We'll give you the actionable tips and tools you need to lead with your values, make a difference, and have career success. The world needs more diversity and authenticity in the top jobs at organizations. Your leadership belongs there. You belong in the C-suite. What is your team culture like? What is your leadership style? How do you make decisions? These are all questions my client was recently asked. These questions came from different people, their current team, people who they were interviewing, who wanted to work for them, even their mentee. They all wanted to know, what's it like to work for you, to learn from you? And when I started working with this client, they had some generic answers that they could speak to each of these questions, but sometimes they weren't as confident in their answers as they'd like to be. Now they're able to confidently describe with examples, the cultures of their team their leadership style and how they make decisions aligned to what's important to them by describing their values, how they model those values and how they reward and recognize those behaviors. Can you answer those questions for yourself? Let's dig into these together. Join us in the catch crew, a place to grow your career intentionally, to get the skills to intentionally grow your career and your teams through your own leadership. When you join, you get instant access to team building tools, including values first, the course, a video-based course that highlights the most important exercises from my book, values first. You get the tools you need to build the life, career, and team culture that you want. Go to the catchgroup.com slash catch crew. That's the catchgroup.com slash catch crew. Welcome to this week's episode of the You Belong in the C-Suite podcast. This week, I am closing out a semester of teaching and wrapping up the school year with my kiddos with lots of year-end activities in the next couple of weeks. The end of school kind of feels like a reflective time to celebrate milestones from the year and to be excited for the summer. And the weather is also changing here in Texas, becoming warmer, but also a lot of rain. So wherever you are, I just hope that you're taking time to celebrate the year so far and are looking forward to what's coming up next for you. So for this week, I'm really excited to share this conversation with you with our guest, Maria Dowdy. This conversation was recorded in March, which was fitting for Women's History Month. And Maria and I have a shared passion for empowering women. Maria is the president and CEO of the Chicago Network. Chicago's premier leadership organization engaging the city's most influential women. Since joining the Chicago Network in April 2020, Maria spent 20 years 
with Allstate Insurance Company, most recently as a Director of Public Policy and Regulatory Investigations and Examinations and Corporate Counsel. She also served as Chief Legal Counsel for Field Operations, Managing Counsel and Corporate Litigation Division member. Like the Chicago Network's members, Maria serves on a number of local civic and philanthropic organizations, including Leadership Greater Chicago, Latino Policy Forum, Illinois Coalition Against Domestic Violence, and Illinois Task Force for Employment and Economic Opportunity for Persons with Disabilities. She also hosts the Chicago Network's podcast, Her Stories, featuring candid conversations with Chicago's most powerful and accomplished women. In this episode, we talked about Maria's journey of resilience as a young child and her love of learning, her purpose of servant leadership, and her career in corporate and nonprofit organizations. We also talked about her values of leading with compassion and empathy, collaboration, learning, and high worth work ethic. We talked about the importance of communities for executive women to amplify their voices and also getting more women in leadership through board service. So we talked about lots of different things, specifically about how civic or nonprofit service can fulfill your purpose while building your leadership capability. We talked about different skills needed to serve on a board, which are very different than being a part of a leadership team, and how you need to separate your own success from the organization's success when you're so closely tied to the mission of the nonprofit. We also talked a lot about what's on the minds of CEOs, including how compassionate leaders can meet the needs of employees and listen to all voices, but still have to make unpopular decisions, but at the end, create a sense of purpose and culture, sharing what they stand for. I am excited to dig into this conversation. Let's get started. Well, Maria, I want to welcome you to the You Belong in the C-Suite podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. Laura, thank you. And let me just say first that uh, thank you for all that you do on empowering women to lead. Uh, that is something that is very important to me and a part the purpose of my organization, my current organization. And I know that you are a champion of, of our purpose. So thank you for, for supporting women and others to uh, really be the best they can be and live into their full potential. Thank you. Yeah, we have that shared passion. And I think probably some other shared passions too. And I cannot wait to dive into our conversation today. So um, as we get started, I'd love to just know more about you. So your background, your career history, tell me a little bit more about your story. So I am the daughter of Italian immigrants. They came here in the 60s. Uh, They have very little formal educations. Uh, but they are two of the smartest people that I know. They are incredibly, they've driven uh, incredible work ethic and they've instilled these incredible values in me. I did not speak English until I went to kindergarten. So it was one of those journeys of resilience, uh, determination, adaptability. It is perseverance. I think the one thing that I I really attribute to my parents is they basically said, you can be whoever you want to be, 
and there were no limitations and it was all about seizing opportunities. And I think that's really summarizes my journey and my professional and personal journey, quite honestly. I had unbelievable uh, mentors and teachers and coaches who supported me throughout my entire life. And for me, that was very instrumental in helping me identify and really create my personal purpose, which is servant leadership. So I have always been one uh, in the importance of giving back and it can be, you could be, you could give back in any seat, right? You don't have to be right now. I'm serving in a, uh, you know, as a CEO of a nonprofit, but um, I was in a corporate world for a very long time. And I felt that that time when I was in my corporate space, giving back in that executive role was really important and really led to kind of where I'm sitting today without, without question. I've had an extensive legal career with a specialization in highly regulated industries. I've been a leader in compliance and litigation, government relations, public policy, which was the last role that I held in my corporate space. I have an incredible love of learning. I, that is no question attributed to my past and growing up. Um, learning and education was to me the, that was the door in which my path flowed through that door. And I have a real passion for civic engagement. And I've had, I've had really the privilege now of bringing my business world and the business experience and my legal experience to the nonprofit sector. So it's, it's been an incredible journey and, and one that I just, I, I am very privileged to have, have lived. I, I, very, I live a life of tremendous gratitude because I think it's important to kind of reflect on your past and see kind of what brought you to where you are and always about what you can do to really pay it forward. I love that. And I hear a lot of your values kind of coming through your story. So I hear a lot about learning. I hear a lot about servant leadership. What are some of your other values that you lead with and you live your life by? I try to be a compassionate leader. Mm-hmm. I think compassion is really, really important. I think people want to be compassionate leaders. They understand the importance of being a compassionate leader, but it's a lot harder than you think. (laughs) And I think it's uh, leading with compassion and empathy is, I think, something that I strive to to do, but it it is, it's definitely hard, but I think it's something that's absolutely essential. I'm I'm a collaborative leader. I think it's really incredibly important as you are, working with others to make sure that you hear all the voices. And that's really important for board service, right? Which we're going to talk a little bit about later is making sure that you, you hear all the voices. Now that doesn't mean that you have to uh, lead and manage with all the voices in making your decision, right? Sometimes you, there are certain voices that you have to that you have to, to tune tune down, but at least knowing that you have to listen to them. So that's one of the things that I'm I really take pride in is that I really, really try to listen to all the voices in helping me be a leader and managing and whatever decisions that I'm making. And I'm a, I'm a really, really, I have a very strong work ethic. That's one thing that I feel like hard work has really helped me achieve what I've, what, where I, where I've been. Luck is always a good thing too, right? It does, luck is important, but I really do believe that, you know, putting your head down and, um, and really being intellectually curious, learning and rolling up your sleeves and doing the work, there's nothing better than that. It's incredibly gratifying. And you know, that you can um, look back and say, okay, I've, I've done what I needed to do to be able to say 
I'm ready to, to move forward with whatever, whatever that, whether it's a decision or whether it's a, um, whether it's a, a strategy, a plan, whatever it's, it's, it's important to have done the work. I love that you just said that because I think, and it's, I think it resonates with me most because you described yourself as a servant leader and compassionate leader. And I think those are attributes absolutely of a servant leader because they're the ones that like, they're willing to do the work. They're going to roll up their sleeves, right? Right there with you. And, um, and, and to your point earlier, it helps you then extend compassion because you know, potentially what it could be like in their shoes because you're doing the work right alongside them. Are you in a new role or transitioning to a new role soon? Have you thought about how you will transition into your new role intentionally? How do you create boundaries to sustain your energy and prioritize the things that matter most to you? How would it feel to go into your new role feeling prepared with an intentional plan to prioritize the most important things and still have energy to tackle the things that will inevitably come your way? These are the kinds of things that leaders are working on in the Catch Crew. The Catch Crew is our community to build your career intentionally, whether that means transitioning into a new role, building or reinforcing your team culture, or planning your next role. When you join, you get instant access to career transition tools, including Values First, the course, a video-based course that highlights the most important exercises from my book, Values First. You'll get the tools you need to build the life, career, and team culture that you want. Go to thecatchgroup.com slash catchcrew. That's thecatchgroup.com slash catchcrew. We're having our next monthly catch up soon. Can't wait to see you there. So I'd love to talk a little bit more about your current role. Can you tell me more about how you lead right now? Yes, thank you for that. I have just really the honor of being the CEO of uh, the Chicago Network, which is an extraordinary organization of senior executive women who across 11 different sectors of Chicagoland. The organization was founded in 1979 by nine women CEO executives who found that as they continued to climb the corporate ladder, it was very lonely at the top. And they found each other and they created this beautiful relationship amongst each other, both really supporting each other, both professionally and then in turn personally. And they were each other's sounding board and they realized that they had some, they had something very, very special. And when you think about this, this is 1979. That's, yeah. a, you know, that's many decades ago. Um, we talk about networking now and it's, and there's a lot of wonderful organizations, but these, these women started this before it was a thing and they invited a little over a hundred women. And, and this is, what's amazing, Laura, is that these women realized that diversity was really critical before I mean, we all know it now, right? There's a lot of conversation and thank goodness there is conversation and that, that people are really moving and making strides towards diversity. But these women said, you know what? We know that we can't just have 
an organization of corporate voices, right? It's important to have the astrophysicist in the room and the artist in the room and the lawyer in the room and the doctor in the room. So they went across 11 different sectors of our city and they invited these women who were leaders of their, at the top of the game, right? They, these are the top, top, top women. These are CEOs. I laugh. One of them, one of my members said to me, Maria, you know, you're the CEO of CEOs. And I, and I oh. you think about it, it is kind of a, it's true, but I, I don't obviously don't think of myself that way, but they, they really embraced these women and, and the network was born and we have about 550 members. Um, we have an extraordinary retention rate of high nineties. You know, people, once you're in the network, you're in for life. Uh, you just have to pay your dues. doesn't matter what you do. So we have this really interesting organization of women who, who have been at different points of their leadership journey. Mm-hmm. And this is an organization that is about supporting each other. It's the gift you give yourself. Nothing is asked of them. It's all about how do they support each other. And it is probably one of the most, um, I, I can just tell you this most sincerely, it's just truly a privilege to work with these women. And for me, it's about amplifying their voices. Our purpose is empowering women to lead, which is what I love about what you're doing, right? And what your passion and your mission is. It That's what we do. And these women live into our purpose. Everything that we do in our organization is through that lens. We have multiple initiatives, like any really well-run nonprofit. Uh, we mm-hmm. have a strategic plan, of course, an initiative. And our top initiative right now is our Women on Boards initiative. And I'm excited about the path that we're taking with this initiative. About 30% of our members are already serving on for-profit boards. But for us, we realize that when you look at where we are as a society and where women are sitting in the C-suite, you know, yes, we've made some strides, but we're not there yet. There is not parity. There is not gender equity. We have to celebrate the wins. Don't get me wrong. We do have to celebrate the wins, but we have to be realistic on the fact that what's happening now is really still unacceptable in terms of the numbers. And as a society, we have been pushing bottom up, right? We've been trying to create pipelines so women at the bottom can get into the C-suite. Yeah. But I've been on a bandwagon for quite some time now that it needs to be top down, which is why our women on boards initiative is so important. We have to work from the top at the director board director level, because they're the individuals who are really impacting who's sitting in the C-suite. I could not agree with you more. (laughs) And this is another one of those things that we are completely aligned on. And yes, let's celebrate the wins, but also (laughs) let's systematically create ways to make it happen faster. Exactly. And and to me, it's about, it's about board service. And it, there's a lot of conversation about it now, right? You know, the NASDAQ rules and there's a lot of states that are California kind of led the charge about mandating diversity on boards a few years back with, with their push on the, on the legislative side. But we know it, it is empirical. It is unequivocal that diversity on boards creates profitability and innovation. And diversity is, is not just gender diversity, right? It's it's racial diversity. It's age diversification. It's what you offer, what skills you offer to the table, right? Those are all, you know, diversity is much, it's thought diversity. It's all these things that are really important to create success for any organization. I completely agree with you. And this idea of top down and bottom up and all the things, I think, I think we need to do it all. 
Before we jump into ways that we can do that, I'd love to understand you. I think you have a very unique perspective. You are the CEO of CEOs. I I do like that. And I think it gives you a different lens into what's on the mind of CEOs and executives, especially as women, right? You see what's on the mind of all of CEOs, but, but also you have that perspective of being one too. And so what are some of the things that your members and you or the broader um, community of women executives, do you see them either struggling with, striving at in this kind of, I'm not going to say post COVID, but like this era of the work that we're in right now? I think human capital is probably the biggest thing that everyone's working with now, right? So you had the move to the great resignation. Mm-hmm. You had the move to this big piece of employees feeling very empowered. You know, the pandemic, as we all know, shifted how we're doing work. Mm-hmm. Uh, you had the whole return to work piece, right? And how people right. are, I mean, every weekend in the journal, on uh, the Wall Street Journal, there's an article about employees and human capital. And all the articles that are being written right now are fascinating because every single person can relate to what is being written in these articles. So I think a lot of leaders now, particularly our members too, are facing this question of, okay, how do you factor in as a, as a compassionate leader? Because you know, our, I would say women have really lead with empathy and compassion, um, most do. And they are trying to make sure that as they're leading, they're listening to all the voices. And I think there's no question now that you have to listen to all the voices. Now, you don't have to agree with everyone. There's no question about that. And you don't, and sometimes you have to make very difficult decisions, leadership decisions that may be unpopular. But the question is, you know, do you take stands or make public statements as things are happening in society, right? You know, companies used to be able to insulate themselves slightly on all the noise in the background. Now they have to tune into every channel, like everything is coming at them. And it, whether it's a shareholder or a stakeholder or a legislator or a regulator or an employee or customers, they're being bombarded with voices. And it's really, really, I think, challenging as a leader when you're trying to create, you know, you have, you have to run a business and you have to create profitability. I mean, we know that that's part of it, right? But you also have to create culture and you have to have a purpose. And now everyone's looking to companies to to ask them, what do you stand for? You know, we talked about this before. Patagonia is a great example of a company that has always been, sustainability is their number one, right? I mean, that's been part of their DNA. I think companies are really struggling that don't have a clear DNA, right? A clear culture purpose piece to figure out, okay, what does, what does that look like for them? I think it's an exciting time because they can really identify what's so important about the culture of their organization. But I think that's really what women are are leaders. And I don't think it's really just women. I really do think it's everyone. How do they manage human capital? How are they being uh, empathetic to some of the issues that women are facing in the workplace? We know that women took massive strides back during the pandemic. And unfortunately, what, what's created the result is that you have a very, you have large gaps in middle management of women, serving in the middle managers, which ultimately will create 
gaps in succession because you don't have people who are sitting in those roles that you can pull up into those C-suite roles. So I think those are the couple of things I would say, right? But I, I do believe human capital is the biggest, Laura. I think that 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 is from all fronts, human capital by far is I think the thing that most CEOs are being challenged with right now. Yeah. And it's, it's really interesting what you just said, like, you know, women were absolutely hit hard and a lot of them chose to leave, not even middle management, but also upper management. People were, are leaving like very big roles to, you know, some doing their own thing, some just, you know, burnt out. Right. There's just a lot of, as you, as you talked about this, um, idea of great resignation and kind of understanding what do we want and then having to like lead organizations with what's left and to your point of listening to all, but you can't potentially make decisions that everybody's ha- happy with. Right. And so whether that was return to work plan or whatever, you're potentially left with, like you said, gaps in succession. You might have gaps in capability, probably both. Right. <laughs> and then also people wanting that purpose like you said, and, and wanting to drive it. And as you know, I, I find that, you know, women are not just seeking it in one place. They want that in their work if they can for sure, but they also seek it in other ways too, like board service, like nonprofit experience, all those kinds of things. Are you finding that your members seek it in multiple places? Is it important to have it everywhere or if it's met at least in one place, is it good enough? What do you think? Great question. What's amazing about our organization is one of our membership requirements is you must be civically engaged. It, mm-hmm. It's a non-starter. Like that, that is, and I have to tell you, Laura, because of my personal purpose of servant leadership, it really is what drew me to the Chicago network. Yeah. These women, it's, you know, they are at the top of the top, but they also understand it is important for them to use their gifts to be able to pay it forward. And they, and they do, they truly do. So each, each of them has to be civically engaged in a leadership roles so that looks different to me. It's really essential. I think being on a nonprofit board or being civically engaged in a nonprofit, you can, you can look at all different ways for people, I think really is essential, an essential, essential piece of leadership. And for the person serving on the board, it's this incredible growth opportunity. And it's a way for them to fulfill their personal purpose. And when I talk to women, we're an invitation membership group. Mm -hmm. And there are some women that are sitting at the top, but have not had, have not, have not focused on civic leadership or nonprofit service. And I love working with those women the most, right? Because it's a journey for them. It's like, okay, let's, what, what's important to you? What is calling to you? Is it education? Is it domestic violence? Is it hunger? Is it literacy? And then let's find a match because nonprofit service, it has to speak to you. And, you know, if it doesn't speak to you, then you're just going to go through the motions and it's not going to call to your heart. And I think that that's really important. You have to do something that is calling to you and it may, and it may call to you at different times in your life, right? You know, for me, for me, it's been domestic violence and a disability community, as well as English second language learners. And that's obviously comes from my, from, mm-hmm. from when I was, when I was little, um, but it has to call to you. And, and those 
when you have that experience, it makes you, it always makes you a better leader. Kind of goes back to that empathy, compassion, right? You can't help, but get those, feel those things. And those things, once they're part of how you think, they will be how part of how you lead. Yeah, I love that. And I I think it's really interesting that you mentioned that demographic of women who they might be a CEO, but they've not push the envelope yet on their, on their civic mindedness or, or done the work to get into the nonprofit work. Maybe they've donated, maybe they volunteered a bit, they're dabbling, right. But they've not given their time and their expertise yet. And I love this idea of that can be, that is just such a critical experience as a leader Like regardless of where you sit in an organization, if you're a CEO or a manager, like what it can do for just your leadership capability to then bring it into your work and your life as leading with compassion and then having that, that need fulfilled also. Yeah. And, and for, you know, and I love what I've been talking about a lot is I was very, very fortunate because my organization, um, my last organization, one that I worked in for 23 years, Allstate, always supported my civic engagement. They always supported our pro bono work. They've always supported. And it's really important for companies to help employees have those experiences and give them the time to do those, to do the things that they feel that they they want to learn more about, they want to give back on. It really makes employees, I think, more effective in their roles. And then it also increases their potential to be in, potentially to be in management and even C-suite roles and even just, you know, to serve on for-profit boards. So I think it it is um, because nonprofit governance, board governance is so similar to for-profit board governance that it's a win-win all around. It gives them, gives people who are serving on nonprofit boards a taste of what it's like to be in a board environment. And that board environment, as you know, is very different, right? It's very different than sitting on a management team Yes, because that board environment it's about listening. You're an advisor. You're mm-hmm. not making the decisions. You're advising management on making the decisions. And you have to be a collaborator. You have to, you, it can't be about you, right? It Board service can't be about you. It has to be about the organization. It has to be about what's going to make the organization successful. And when you get those, when you kind of um, exercise those muscles of your leadership style Mm -hmm. and your, and your your training, it, it will spill over to how you, how you are as a leader in the organization in which you're serving. So I think it's, it really is a win-win all around. I love the distinction that you just made. So this idea of being an advisor on a nonprofit or a for-profit board, very different muscle than being in management. And when we say management, that is, you don't, you work for the, the place. So for instance, you're in management in your current role, but you probably have a board too, is what I would guess. Yeah. And so you work with your board who are your advising body and then you serve in management and I've served in, um, in management in a nonprofit as well. 
And it's very different. It's very different than serving in an advisory capacity in the nonprofit world. And that distinguishing of it's not about you, right? It's about the organization. And um, as a board advisor, a nonprofit board advisor, it can be very, it's so, it's tied closely to something you're very passionate about. Usually, right? Like you said, um, yep. English as a second language, domestic violence, like all of, like these things that you're so passionate about. That's why you joined as a board advisor to begin with, right? And so it's hard to, to separate the two, but that's the, that's the exercise. And that's the critical experience that makes you really good at it, right? That's, oh, that's exactly right. Because I, you know, I've served on nonprofit boards and you can be in a room with board directors who are so passionate about the work, right? Oh my gosh, it, it, it just, just oozes out of them. But are they really thinking about it from a business perspective? And so that's what I love about having business leaders serving on nonprofit boards because they bring their business expertise to the board. They can be that empathetic, emotional leader, but they you have to run a business. I mean, a nonprofit organization is still, you're running a business. You right. still have to manage a P&L. You still have to find ways to, to keep the lights on, right? In some cases, when you have direct services, you've got to figure out how you're going to give those direct services, but you have to run the business. And it's very hard for people. I, I mean, I think to separate out the emotional side from the business decisions. Cause sometimes you have to make tough business decisions because you don't have the money. You know, you, you don't, you want to serve a large population, but you do not have the funds to be able to serve everyone. So you have to make critical decisions about how, what segment are you're, you're going to work with. And that's what I think is really, I think it's a wonderful gift for business leaders who are in, sitting in for-profit leadership roles to get into the nonprofit space, to be able to, to really help them uh, help nonprofit organizations understand they're running a business. I'm, I have a 22 member board of directors. They are Laura. I have a rock star of rock star board, right? But it's interesting because for me, I'm sitting on the other side of the table and now I have to, as a CEO of this nonprofit organization, use these incredible women, they're all women on my board, and use their strengths to be able to move our organization forward. And I need to do it in a very, very strategic way, right? I don't want them involved in all my day-to-day -day decision making. That's right. not what I need. I need them at this higher elevated strategic side. And sometimes it's hard for me to, mm -hmm. to do that, right? Because I want to, I want them to kind of help me with some of the day to day, but I have to realize, no, that's not what I need them for. I need them for this higher level of, of, of advice. And, you know, one thing I would really recommend as, you know, as people are trying to decide what board nonprofit board to serve on, really look for a nonprofit board that has excellent governance. I think nonprofit boards now really understand the importance of good governance. And so you want to look for an organization that has a full robust committee structure, right? If you're trying to decide as an executive leader, where can I, where, where can I really give my, give myself and be most, most helpful? It would be, you know, those organizations that have a very, very strong governance structure. And then I would, I always encourage people that are looking to serve, I say, 
finance and audit and NOMGOV. Get on, get on those two committees, understand and learn how the um, finance and audit world works. Uh, in a, and, and sometimes if, you, if you're not a finance person, right, you may not a CFO, you may think, well, I don't have the skills to be able to step into that role. No, you do. It, 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 everybody can learn. It's a learning journey, right? And it's and having the experience on um, a nonprofit board in finance and audit, you're still running all mm -hmm. everything applies. I mean, you may not have like you're, if you're a, a publicly traded company, right? You have different you have the SEC issues. You have other kind of issues that you have to deal with on finance and audit. However. You still, you know, you have the basic rudimentary aspects of, of, of what do, is done on a finance and audit committee. And then on the nominating and governance committee, it helps you kind of realize, okay, how can I be a, a better leader in governance? And governance is so important in everything that we do, because when you serve on a for-profit board now, and, and it always was this the case, but I think it's really important for people who are serving in these for-profit roles, there is liability. I mean, they right. have fiduciary duties and it's something, you know, they, they are attesting um, to finances. They are putting themselves at risk and they need to really be comfortable with how things are being done and they need to understand. And sometimes it's really helpful to, to have some of that experience in the nonprofit space to step into some of those more challenging roles. I love that advice. And I think if you've not been in a board structure, some of these terms might feel very like, oh my goodness, I don't even know all the words you just said. So let's break it down a little bit more. If you think about a really well-governed nonprofit board, um, you mentioned two committees al already, but what are some of the other committees? And can you tell us like, what are a couple of the things that they do? So obviously you need to have bylaws. <laughs> of any organization, right? Those are important to, to have. But um, so nominating and governance is really about finding um, the nominating committee finds other board members, right? They look for other board members. And what's, what's important in board service is you don't want, every, we talked about this, this diversity, this idea of diversity, you don't want everybody to look the same. And that doesn't mean, that's not skin color. That's really, truly how it's diversity at the, really at every aspect of it. So for example, you really don't want on a board 10 lawyers, right? right. Now, now, just 10 general counsels, right? Now, I, I have to say that I believe that lawyers make amazing board members. And I mean, I am a lawyer, so I have to, you know, put a plug in for, for our profession. But what I mean by that is you don't want to have all marketing people. You don't want to have all right. tech people. It's nice to have, um, it's great if you can have 10 lawyers who have other specialties, right? They just happen to have their law degree and then they're a marketing expert or a digital expert. Or... So um, that nominating committee, it's important for them to say, okay, what skills do we need on the board? What's absent? And then let's go find those, find those yeah. people who can fill those skills. And then governance is just governance. You know, is the organization being run properly? Right. Is management, did, does management have a succession plan? I mean, oh my gosh, Laura, you would be shocked to see how many organizations, for-profit and non-profit, who haven't even thought about succession. Unfortunately, I am not shocked because I have, I have seen, I have seen a lot of them and it's not the ones that you would think, right? 
And then even the ones that do have a succession plan sometimes are not using it. And so that's like a whole other, that that might be a different podcast episode, but you're right. I am, I, I'm with you. <laughs> I think succession would be a really interesting podcast session for you because, you know, and, and there are, and, and what is amazing to me is like, one thing I would just say that when you're going on to board service, it's really important to know your why. And what I mean by that is, why do you want to do this? And it can't just be because you want to add it to your resume. It just can't. That that cannot be the reason. And, and if it is the reason, when you interview for a board role, whether it's a nonprofit or for-profit role, that is going to be obvious in how you speak and how you, you talk about why you wanted to do this. You have to know what's bringing you to the table. And it could be because you have a passion for the work. You, you've learned so much. Like I, I know I'm a regulatory expert. I can give so much to an organization because of my experience in the regulatory space. And I think the other thing that I'll, I'll share is that people think it, a for-profit role is the only type of for-profit role is corporate publicly traded roles, right? So public publicly traded companies. Um, so, you know, you think, you know, Target or Starbucks or, you know, these big publicly traded companies, but that's not, there are so, there are thousands and thousands of companies, privately held companies, um, mid-sized publicly traded companies, uh, ESOP, you know, employee-based companies, mm -hmm. private equity companies. These companies all need board of directors. So, you know, as you're starting to decide where you want to go, look at all of them and decide, yeah. you know, with a, with a, with a, with a private equity company, they need board directors that are nimble, fast. They have to make fast decisions. It's an in and out situation. Are you good at that? Or are you more of a, I'm going to step back and look at, be a strategic visionary director. That's okay. We need those, right? You need those. But when you're looking at kind of what, where a company is and what they are for-profit company is and what they need to be successful, it may not, they may not need a strategic visionary. They mean, they may need life support. They may need somebody right. who, who is a, you know, a change management. They need quick change decisions and that may not be for you. And so you need to really research the company, not just the financials, right? Which are important, but it's that value prop. It's the corporate culture. It's the brand. It's the culture of the board. Do you fit into the culture of the board? Because that is a bad situation, right? Like if you go into a board and you don't know the board culture and it does not resonate with you, it's it's hard to step out of those roles, right? It's uncomfortable. Yeah. So you know, as you're as you're stepping into a board role, nonprofit or for profit, interview the board members. Ask to get some names of board directors and have a cup of coffee with them, have a Zoom with them, talk to them about what their experience is, and then you'll get a sense of the governance, right? You'll get a sense of what the different committee structure is. You know, there's a communication committee, there's a risk committee, you know, I'm sorry, I, I'm kind of, I've, got, I've gone, I know you had a question there and I answered a little no, bit. No, this up. is great. This is great. The risk committee is really interesting, right? Because you're looking at what's happening externally and what risk you as an organization are willing to take on. That's a really important committee for 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 every every really every organization and being a member of that and being able to help leadership, right? The CEO and the management team really assess risk 
that's really important. So, you know, you'll, you find your place. There's no question. You'll find a place mm-hmm. on any committee and, and you'll find what calls to you. But I would also say, you know, really push yourself, do something again, that kind of intellectual curious learner in me. Um, I, I take on things that I may not have be an expert in and that's okay, but I want to learn like, roll up my sleeves. Let me try to understand. Let me do the research. I want to be a, an effective leader. I want to be an effective director. Uh, and I think that, that you can't just sit back. It's, you can't do that anymore in board director roles. You have to be all in. It's not about quarterly board meetings anymore. It's not about, you know, obviously making sure you read the packet. That's a non-starter, but it's really about relevancy and I think that's what we're seeing now in board services, people earlier on in their careers being pulled into some of these director roles. And I think, Laura, that really is because um, boards want relevant work experience. So it's not, and they want people who have a pulse on what is going on in society. And we're, I think long gone are the days where people say, I'm going to do board service as my second act of my professional career. Yeah, for sure. And I, and I love nonprofit as a way to get in and to bridge. And then to your original point, like then bringing those experiences back to your corporate role and just your life. I think even back to our, our, one of our first things that you said, it goes back to human capital. And wouldn't it be amazing if more corporations leaned into a strategy of giving people time and space to serve on nonprofit boards, because they're going to bring back so much expertise earlier in career and be better leaders within their day jobs. Yeah. Without question. And I, to me, that that's the perfection. I mean, that's when corporations and employers, let's say employers, right? Employers, because it could be any space. Employers realize that giving an employee this opportunity and supporting them. And sometimes Laura, you have to write the check, right? So, and, and that that's important uh, because nonprofits need the funds to be able to do the work that they're doing. But it will be a game changer. It would really be a game changer if all employers said, you know what, I want to support our employees, give them the opportunity to serve in, in nonprofit um, nonprofit work because they will be better. They'll be loyal. They will. They know, you know, professional development is not just about honing in on your trade, trade skills, right? Professional development for me as a lawyer Yes, of course, I need to do continuing legal education to keep my license up. But it really is about, I want to be a better leader. And being a better leader is about understanding what's happening in society and and learning about different viewpoints and things that I may not know anything about, or actually things that I think I know things about that I am not informed about, right? So yeah, it would be, that would be nirvana. I would love to see, and now I want to research more examples of companies doing this. Like surely some are, but where does an employer align with their purpose, then invest in nonprofits and then give pathways to people to serve on different boards and committees? I'm sure there's lots out there that are doing it. 
And then lots more room for this to be happening too. And I really like the shift of thinking about board service is not just another thing that you could do, but strategically thinking about it as a way to give back. It's something that's aligned to your values or close to your heart, but then also it can then kind of round out some of the critical experiences that you need to be a better leader. And then also, you know, increase your financial acumen, your stakeholder management, influencing all of those things and help you advance your career in general. You said it perfectly. Oh my goodness. I have loved our conversation so much. And I just want to thank you for you for sharing your passion and your thought leadership around this. And what, what is the best way for us to keep connected to you? Oh, please. Um, so the Chicago network, it's the Chicago network.org is our website. And I would encourage everyone. We just created a database. It's womenlead.io, And it is our membership database in the sense of women. I, I feel like I have a curated list of extraordinary board candidates, potential candidates. And so our members have added their profiles and board bios into our womenlead.io website and go in there. And if you're looking for a board member, you're looking for someone, uh, whether it's a for-profit or nonprofit board member, uh, go in there, do a search. We have 500 tags in it. It's all free. Ultimately for us and for me, it's about increasing the diversity on corporate boards. I want more women in those for-profit board seats, helping serve as role models, directing businesses, leading and helping, advising businesses. So that's how you get me. And and my, of course, my LinkedIn, Maria Dowdy, is feel free to kind of connect with me and I'd love to continue conversations and help in any way. It's, it's really about empowering women to lead. It's everything I do these days is towards that end. Well, thank you so much for sharing your story. And we'll put all of those links in our show notes so that people can go directly there to find out more. And I just, again, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you, Laura. It's been a pleasure. I want to thank you so much for listening to the You Belong in the C-Suite podcast. If you are enjoying this content, please remember to rate and review on Apple Podcasts. By leaving a review, you are helping others find this content. We will be featuring five-star reviews on air in upcoming episodes. Editing and support for the podcast is done by S&E Podcast Management. To get more tips and tools to help you live a life guided by your values, go to thecatchgroup.com. Keep your boundaries and take care.